Episode 67, Pushing Rubber Podcast. I'm Adam Piggott. Sitting on my lap is the Duke. I better get him off before he starts meowing or something. Oh, I got right. Episode 67, coming to you from snowy Holland. We've had snow, man. See what I did there? Um, we have. It's been, uh, it's been very snowy. And after six years living in Australia, I really had forgotten how much I miss the snow. I love the snow. I really do. When I lived in the Alps up in Italy, snowing. Of course, I had a wood-burning stove there, wood fire sort of thing, uh, cast iron. Put out 15 kilowatts of heat. I, I, that's all I used to heat the house. It was brilliant. I love that, uh, a nice wood fire. Um, and at the place we're living in now, we're renting here in Holland, doesn't have a wood fire. So it, uh, it kind of spoils the snow. It's like the snow is wasted because you don't have a wood fire to sit in front of and, you know, drink whiskey while you're looking at the snowfall outside eh it's not good the christmas tree is looking good though got the christmas tree up very nice i seem to remember when i was a wee lad that the christmas trees just as soon as you put it up within like a few minutes it would start to lose its needles and this is like it'd just be a continual cascade because uh, i always use a real tree i don't get one of these plastic fantastic ones awful things awful i think the i mean someone once described using a condom during sex as showering with, uh, while wearing a raincoat. Um, and I think a plastic Christmas tree is, is kind of on the same line somewhere there. I don't know. Just, does that work? Anyway, real Christmas tree. It's not the, these new ones, the, 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 the breed, I think... Don't tell, it, don't tell anyone, but I think, uh, I think they're genetic, genetically modified. Because they they're just not losing the, the needles. It's great. Tree looks amazing. I might even, I tell you what, I tell you what, I don't do photos. I might put up a photo. Hey, hey, I'll put up a photo of the tree. Yeah, I think I'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, the wife, the good wife took a few artistic shots. Um, well, so we had snow on Sunday and that was great because we just, you know, sat inside and enjoyed the snow falling down. It was brilliant. Um, and then, there was snow on Monday. Now, this wasn't so good because Monday we had to drive down to Maastricht in the south of Holland, which is about a two-hour drive, to look at a property, look at a couple of properties um, because we're still hunting for a house. Those of you who listen to this blog on a regular basis know all about my adventures in this sort of thing. Uh, first house that either of us have ever uh, owned or will own if we ever buy one, which, you know, yeah. um, tight market. Uh, record low interest rates, under 2% that can be locked in for a 35-year mortgage if you desire. So it's never going to change, um, which means with inflation, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. Um, so we drove down, and we're looking around Maastricht. We like the area down there, and Maastricht's a very nice city. So we drove down. The roads were pretty good, and about halfway down started the snow just after a city called De Bosch. Um, if you've ever heard of a famous painter, Hieronymus Bosch, he did like the weird 15th century, you know, the the going to hell paintings. Um, interesting stuff. Well, he was from De Bosch. Yeah, Hieronymus Bosch from that city. Isn't there? You go. Yeah. It's just so historical living in Europe. It's always history. Oh! so much history anyway so it started snowing it was it was pretty heavy snow 
Uh, I'm used to driving in the snow after, you know, living in the Italian Alps for a decade. But of course, I was on uh, uh, an eight-lane freeway. Um, so I'm more worried about other people losing their shit and sliding into me. But, you know, we got down fine. No problem. Um, and uh, we looked at two places. First place we looked at, I don't want to jinx it. I'm touching wood right now. Don't, it's, it's good. It's really good. We're going back to see it again later this week. I have hopes, people. I have hopes. Um, what they, They've renovated the place, but the price is low. What I really love, it's, uh, it's got this amazing, amazing... Uh, well, I won't say anything about it because it might give, you know, some someone on the internet will be able to track down which house I'm talking about and then we end up buying it and then people know where I live and then I get, I get, I get stalked by fucking leftists or something, you know, or, you know, hordes of women, you know, wanting my body. I, I can't take that anymore. Can't take I've been there. Oh, I've been there. Done that. Oh. Anyway. You know, the good wife had to go... Uh, into Belgium for a meeting. So I dropped her off from Belgium and then I went to drive back home because she and she was going to stay there. She stayed in there overnight. I went to drive back home. Two-hour drive took me just under six hours. Uh, probably the, the most nightmarish drive of my life. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a new car with, with these all-weather tyres, which were very good, I have to say. It took me three hours to drive one hour, which was from Maastricht to basically to Bosch. I was sitting in traffic stop for half an hour. There was no snow. It wasn't snowing. There was a bit of there was a bit of you know clumped up snow ice shit on the roads, but really it was it was fine. But apparently, I found out the next day that the traffic jams around Holland on Monday afternoon were intense. Um, and the worst part was North Brabant. That's the, it's like a state of Holland or a region. And that's where I was. I was on the worst part of it. Get through Eindhoven, and then we're going up through the Bosch, and now it's getting to around six o'clock in the evening, and now it starts snowing. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a little gentle falling from the sky. It was big, big fuck off flakes the size of a post it note. Um, and they were coming in hard. It was a blizzard. There was a full-on blizzard. I, I've never driven anything like it before in my life. And I was like, oh, my God. I, I just didn't know if I was going to make it. A really weird thing happened at about 10 to 7 in the evening. Like, I'd been on, I'd been in traffic jams for four hours, like just bumper to bumper, three or four lanes of complete gridlock. And I remember I checked the time because at 10 to 7, I suddenly realized I was the only car on the road in my direction. There was nothing in front of me. There was nothing behind me for about a 30 seconds. Everyone had disappeared. They'd all got home. I just, or they'd all abandoned the road. They're like, we're not driving in this shit. And it was, it was. I'd say, I don't want to go into exaggeration or anything. I'm going to keep this nice and accurate. I'd say there was at least a foot of snow we were driving through, compacted down. Um, and I know that because there were parts of the highway or the freeway off ramps or connecting ones that they hadn't cleared, that they had a big, you know, don't go here. And you couldn't have gone there if you wanted to. Because there was probably a good 20 centimetres, 25 centimetres. It was just not going to happen. The satisfying part was people... I was doing about 60 kilometres an hour. I don't know what that's, 35 miles an hour, something like that. Um, up to 80, 60 to 80. Um, and I had a uh, a couple of times the BMW 
both times with the BMW, like a really a seven series, brand new, hot shit, went past me like I was standing still. One of them I discovered a few kilometers down the road, nose first into the middle barrier with, you know, they just completely lost it. And everyone, man, there was, there was not many of us on the roads. Everyone just fucking tootled past. No one's stopping. Fuck you. Fuck you. Oh, you go past this at, a, at 120, 130 kilometers an hour in this sort of weather and think you're hot shit and you end up in the middle, in the middle barrier. Ah, fuck you. Yeah, let's keep it on going. Keep her moving. Keep her moving. Just not, you know, just not interested. Saw cars spun out on the other on the other side of the freeway, going the opposite direction and facing the way we were going, and blah blah blah. Semi trailer, uh, probably saw half a dozen. Uh, um, then we're coming up to Utrecht, and oh my god, was the snow coming down heavy? Now it's about seven thirty at night, something like that. Anyway, I was traveling on the. I know that this is riveting, so I'm just going to keep going. I was traveling on the A2 and I needed to get onto the A12 and uh, there was a big red X on the screens for the A12 and it was literally, there was probably a foot of snow on the A12 with the, the part to get to it and I was like, oh my God, What? because I, no, I had no idea. I've got a GPS and that, but I had no idea how to get back roads to where I needed to go. Um, anyway, so um, luckily I... I was, my GPS helped me out, and I could see a couple of cars in front of me intended to go that direction, and then had to pull off. So they they just they just closed one way to get onto it, but they'd left another way open that you had to go through the city and then get off of forever, go to the city, get back on, blah blah blah. Managed it. Ended up getting home around. Oh, let's see, I left at three around eight thirty, something like that. Brutal, brutal trip, brutal trip. Um, the Dutch aren't as good as cleaning their roads of snow as the Italians are. The Italians up in the outs are smicko. Oh, they're good. Really, really good. Um, because they also clean all of it. It's not like... Here that here the, the Dutch have taken care of the major highways and the main streets of blah, blah, blah. But the little street that I live on is just like, oh, yeah, whatever, deal with it. So now it's all it's all kind of icy, snowy shit. And you literally you take two steps out your front door and you all almost end up ass over tit. Woo! I don't know what grandma's going to go with that. Anyway, um, that was my adventure on Monday. Yeah, that's a bit of fun. So, um, so yeah, that was uh, that was my way. And we're going back to see this house again on Friday. We had four appointments booked. We've cancelled the others. We're just going to see this place for the second time, um, and then I think we're going to put an offer in. So yeah, fingers crossed. But uh, it's a, it's it's good. It's the best one we've seen so far. If you ask me, so Adam, are you excited? Well, <laughs> I'm not wearing the brown underwear for nothing. Yeah. All right, moving right along. Uh, things are happening this week on the blog. I posted up a, a piece yesterday on the universal basic income, which is just an attempt to reinvent communism under another name. That's all it is. Great little cartoon there. Uh, communism flakes, we're not selling those. We need to uh, discontinue. We can rebrand it. Basic income crunch. Ba-ba-bing. Marks getting. Um, whenever you hear basic universal basic income bullshit, this is just communism, people in another name. Communism in another name. And uh, there's been like uh, the people who are against um, 
Uh, oh, I've just realized on my blog that I set that up wrong. God damn it. Um, people who are against capitalism, i.e. socialists, always refer... Um, always refer to people, workers under capitalism as wage slaves. Yeah? Wage slaves. Uh, I, I never... That's a, it's a, that's a, it's a contradiction in terms. If you're on a wage, you're not a slave. And also, if you're on a wage, you've had a choice. You know, you've chosen to apply for that job. You've chosen to work in that, in that environment. You chose to stay there. So this is, this, having choice is the, is the opposite uh, act of what a slave has. Uh, you can say, well, I'm a wage slave. It's your, it's your, if, you, if your job's no good, if you're not getting promoted, if it's not working out the way that you want to do, if you hate your job, it's your choice to stay there. It's your choice to stay there. Yeah. But the majority of people prefer to complain. They don't, they don't want to change their circumstances. I know how tough it is to change your circumstances. It's really tough. The fear of the unknown. Oh, but what if I never get another job? Blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, it's you know, one of the reasons that women stay with guys who beat the fuck out of them. You know? so it's just like, yeah, but at least I know he beats the fuck out of me. And the guy might attack me with an axe. I could be, I could be, I'm, I'm well off here. Yeah. People don't like to change. But wage slave uh, is an oxymoron. That doesn't, doesn't make any sense at all. Okay. However, universal basic income. Well, <laughs> boys and girls, boys and girls, that really would be, uh, that really would be the slavery bit. And I had a comment, um, on the blog um, by a new commenter, Kaf Butch. And maybe he is the German. Uh, and he wrote, the slavery, inverted commas, aspect of UBI is what I've found resonates with those whom I have spoken about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. You, um, if you want to become a slave with getting money, look, everyone in the Soviet Union had a universal basic income. Just so you know. What a universal basic income means is you won't have any choice. Now at the moment, they're trying to sell it like, uh, like the, funnily enough, in Utrecht, I, I read that the, the Dutch are wanting to introduce a basic scheme for universal basic income. Uh, and you can like have some like 600 euros a month or some of that, and you can keep that and you can work on top of it. That's, that's how they're going to sell it at the start. I think that's how they're going to do it. You know? But the thing is, is like the, the program will never end up being what it starts out being at the beginning if that made any sense it will always morph into something and it will always it will always be used as pop by politicians to get elected down at the track it won't be locked into stone no, no program ever is and it will be just come more and more and more it's backdoor communism without having the revolution that's what it is it's, it's by the sneaky backdoor and you can see what's happened with that in venezuela today now the lefties don't like to talk about venezuela because for the left, for socialists in particular, you have to understand that, Ven that Venezuela is not a problem. Venezuela is not a disaster. Venezuela is working out exactly as they intended. Like people who don't, who haven't really looked into this stuff, people who think the well-meaning people, you know, but probably wonder why don't the leaders in Venezuela, you know, just you know, say, okay, we've really fucked this up. Let's try. It's working as intended they wanted to destroy capitalism 
So how do you destroy capitalism? Well, you make it so that everything you're, you're all of your, oh, look at Venezuela. Look at Venezuela. Hang on, I just got to shut something. I got something here that's popping up notifications while I'm trying to record this and it's just distracted the hell out of me. So, look at Venezuela. What they've done to their economy, what they've done to businesses, large companies, all the rest of it, uh, state appropriations, blah, 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 blah. They do this under the guise of that capitalism doesn't work in greedy capital capitalists. That's what I've said the whole time. What they're trying to do is they're trying to turn the populace against capitalism by stealth, by enacting socialist policies, but blaming the fact that they don't work on capitalism. Now, obviously, capitalism, where it's not infected with socialism, works perfectly fine around the west of the rest of the world where capitalism exists. Um, but, of course, the population... This worked, this worked particularly well before the time of the internet. Uh, and this is why... This is why I don't know what the, the internet situation is in Venezuela, how much they've controlled. I'm assuming that there's massive control over it. Massive control. But just so you know, leftist socialists are not... Um, I'm not embarrassed about Venezuela because Ven Venezuela is exactly what they want to happen. They want to have a situation where the populace has to depend on the state for their very existence. If you have to depend on the state for your very existence, then you're powerless. You have no choice. And that's exactly what the socialists want every single time. Universal basic income. You'll all have this. This is where it will go. You'll all have the same income. You'll have no prospects of getting a job and earning anything more outside that. That'll be your universal basic income. Will mean that's it, mate. You got to survive on that. And if you annoy anyone in government, if you annoy anyone in the secret police, which they'll inevitably set up, well then you might find that your universal basic income has been cut off, and it's the gulag for you. They probably won't do the gulag anymore. But I don't know, they say it won't work, but the gulags are in serious existence right now in North Korea. Serious fucking existence. North Korea is the other one they don't talk about. Socialism working as intended. You know when they always are socialists say, oh, you know, these communists, oh, they, just, they just didn't do socialism right. They did it wrong. It'll be better next time. No, 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 they're lying. It was done perfectly, exactly, it was done exactly to plan. Every single time. Exactly to plan. Universal basic income is communism in another name. People, people, people. How can it not be so? How can it not be so that the government is going to look after you and take care of you and just give you your basic income and then you'll have enough to eat, blah, 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 blah. What do you think communism is? You know? Apart from the fact communism was the largest lie now in the history of the world. Now, Apart from the fact that Debbie Does Dallas was supposed to be a good movie. That was never a good movie. That's one of the biggest lies in the world too. But communism was up there. Top 10. Top 10 lies of all time. Um, the other thing that they're trying to sell universal basic income is, is also a scaremongering. Oh, the robots are coming. The robots, the automation is going to take all of our jobs. Um, and you'll have nothing to do. So we need a universal basic income. Oh, let, let's see. Let's see. Because this is the same argument that Marxists have been using since the 1870s in the Industrial Revolution, when Marxism first started. Oh, the machines are going to take all our jobs. They've been saying this for 140 years. 
Lots of jobs out there, people. Lots of jobs. What has happened with every technological advancement? What One of the side effects of the Industrial Revolution was that people got richer. It trickles down. It trickles down. Someone did a lovely comment on my blog. Let me find it on this piece. I'll just look through. I should have got this up. Oh, we go. Mr. Black, who comments regularly. Good on you, Mr. Black. Productivity increases. So he was. So someone said, Mike Randall said, I'm concerned that technology is going to reach a point where AI automation, etc., are so good that there really isn't going to be work for everyone. Automated agents are an extension of their owners. The work they perform is for the benefit of the owner, not society as we would expect. By the way, companies are not set up for the benefit of society. It's, it's, it's not, not what companies are set up for. Companies and businesses are set up to make a profit. Because these businesses make a profit, Society is enriched because the money does not exist in a vacuum, people. He continues with Mike Randall. People keep stating that with every great transformation, society is just in new and unexpected ways that it eventually works out. Yep. But I don't see opportunity for the masses when a small number of people can provide a majority of work through their agents. What then? Well, this is exactly the same argument that was being made in the Industrial Revolution. This is exactly the same argument that... The people who swept up horse shit from the streets of London used to complain about these new fangdangled automobiles. Yeah? Etc. Anyone else had anything to do with a horse at the time? Anyway, Mr. Black replied to Mike Randall. Productivity increases. Instead of one person performing a role, they can monitor a computer screen of 50 AI robots performing the role and doing 50 times as much work. Multiply that across the economy and everyone becomes essentially 50 times wealthier. Ba-ding. Thank you, Mr. Black. That's what happened in the Industrial Revolution, people. And that's what's happened all the way through. You look at graphs. You look at graphs showing wealth and people living in poverty from like from like the 13th century through the 21st. And this is like this, this this line at the bottom of the graph. This horizontal line never changing all through the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th centuries. Maybe a little blip here, but nothing. And then suddenly 19th century, kaboom! Off it goes. Bada bing, bada boom, bada bang, and it hasn't stopped. See what the what the what the socialists don't like don't like these sort of things getting out because there's other graphs showing how much the percentage of people living in poverty in the world is just dropping every year, continues to drop every year, notwithstanding the best efforts of socialists, less leftist prog fucktards to halt that movement. They much prefer they much prefer. I mean, look at look at the whole of the whole of Southeast Asia. Of the Indian subcontinent, China, all these people coming out of poverty. Yeah? Has it worked in Africa? Not really. Why not? Well, the left decided that they just give them aid. Yeah? So China and Southeast Asia and the Indian subcontinent went with capitalism, and Africa went with we're gonna rely on aid. Who's still fucking poor people? Hey? Fucking aid. Aid's just the worst thing you can do. It's just like, what, what is aid? It's just like sit-down money. In, in Australia, Aboriginals get uh, the dole, and they get, they get more than everyone else because they're black, so that's, that's not racist. And the Yabos call it sit-down money. You're getting paid to sit down. Sit-down money. Sit-down money, bloke. Hey, brother, got to get me some of that sit-down money. Yeah, hey, oh, got to get me some of that sit-down money, hey, bloke. Yeah, got to get me some of that, hey, brother. Yeah. That's how they talk. 
exactly the same with aid for it's exactly, it's, it's, it works on an individual level it works on a on a national level with governments and aid and it destroys destroys capitalism like a lot of people don't know this but the in Kenya the textile industry was basically the biggest in, industry that they had uh, set up by the British of course cotton um, and making clothes and all the rest of it huge industry employed ah so many people in Kenya and then in the 1970s bleeding heart liberals decided that they wanted to give their hand-me-down cast-off clothes to the poor Africans and these ships with these container loads stuffed full of clothes started arriving at the Mombasa docks and what do you think happened when all these clothes rocked up do you think they were just going to hand it out to the poor Africans no no of course not deals were made it was sold and it was all suddenly all these cheap clothes were for sale in all of the little market stops. Suddenly you got it was all it was all like people were wearing like LA Lakers t shirts and stuff like this. You know, don't even know what they are. Yeah, it's amazing the amount of American sportswear. It's baseball, basketball, football teams, shit, baseball caps, that sort of stuff are in uh, are in Africa. Everyone's everyone's a walking advertisement for some American sports team. Unbelievable. And uh Oh, yeah, what do you think happened to the uh, Kenyan textile industry, the massive industry with all these free clothing rocking up on the docks? Destroyed. Didn't even last a decade more. Gone. All the jobs with it. That's what leftism does. It destroys jobs. What does capitalism do? It creates jobs. What do governments do? They take the taxes away from the people who create the jobs and thus, the people who create the jobs have less money to create jobs, so they create less jobs than they would have done. Governments never, ever create jobs. Ever. Not one job has been created by a government in the history of the world. Not one. Because the money required to pay the salary of the people working for the government, public servants, doesn't matter, whatever the case may be, police officers, rah, 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 is paid, is generated by taking it from people who earn the money themselves. And that money taken away, they can't use that money to create more jobs. Do you understand? Spending doesn't create jobs. Just so you understand. Spending does not. It's just like this is the thing of government. Oh, oh people aren't spending as much. We have to get them to spend more. Yeah? Spending does not create jobs, people. Yeah? doesn't create jobs might give more hours to your workforce oh wrap up productivity more yeah we need some more what's doesn't create jobs if you think it creates jobs leave a leave a leave a comment send me an email showing me how spending creates jobs because you'll be wrong it doesn't universal basic income will be sit down money won't create any jobs and it will be so expensive so expensive that the tax burden will be raised and raised and raised. Uh, more, uh, more people will leave it. I mean, why are you going to slog yourself out in a job also if um, if you got the sit-down money initially? So you got the choice, the illusion of choice. It'd be devastating. Devastating for any country that does it because it's communism. And communism is de devastating. Yeah. Ultimately, of course, sit-down money destroys the soul. I'm going to call this episode the sit down, the sit down money episode. That's a good. That's a good name for it. Because you know the abos. Why won't my pen work? The the abos got it right. They saw through to the heart of it. 
They still want it though. They know how much it destroys their communities. But but they can't do anything about it. Anything at all. Because what sit down money does is destroy hope. It 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 just destroys hope. Jobs give you dignity. Jobs give people a purpose for getting out of bed in the morning. Opportunities to learn about life, to have goals, to have dreams, to try things out. Sometimes you succeed, sometimes you fail. All the things that I've done in my life, all the places that I've been to, the countries that I've lived and worked in, businesses that I've started, people that I've met, none of that would have happened with sit-down money. None of it with a universal basic income. What are you going to travel for? Universal basic income. You'll have just enough to be able to get by, exist. That's it. Nothing else. It'll be horrific. And yet, and yet, we have the push for a universal basic income. I, I just, I just, oh, it saddens me, people. It saddens me. Got an email this week from Aaron Clary over there at Captain Capitalism. I'll I'll do this to do my uh, uh, ads on the show. Ad. Um, Aaron sponsors my podcast. Uh, you can check out uh, Aaron Clary's site at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Yes, he's still on Google. Fuck knows why. Um, and he has uh, he talks about all things economic. Um, but he's a he's a um, he's a professional asshole. So it's not your normal dry economic treatises that you know treatises that you normally see in these horrible things. Um, he's a professional asshole. He's definitely an asshole, but unfortunately, he he's has a is a terrible combination of being an asshole but being mostly being right all the time, which is obviously insufferable. Oh, god, insufferable. He's written a bunch of books, close to a dozen, all of them right. Of course, he's insufferable. Um, but uh, look, if you're a young fella starting out, bachelor pad economics, start out with that one. If you've got a high IQ, definitely get cursed with a high IQ. If you're thinking of getting a college degree, worthless, worthless. God, I'm so, I was so happy when I discovered Aaron Clary because I've been saying college degrees were a bunch of shit for years. Of course, I never went to college. I never went to university. Had the opportunity. I was just like, I was 18. All my, everyone had finished school, all my peers, we'd all finished school together, and then everyone went to university, and I was like, but why? And I was like, I was like, well, my friends, what are you studying? And they're like, oh, I'm doing teaching, or I'm doing economics, or I'm doing business administration, or I'm doing English literature, fuck's sake. And I'll be like, yeah, but, but why? What are you gonna, what are you gonna do with this? Oh, I don't, and the, the, the comment I always got from all my peers, I don't really know what to study, what I want to do, so I'm just going to do this. I always thought, because in year 10 at school, when we were 15, we were asked to choose the subjects that we were going to study in the last two years of school, which is year 11 and 12 in Australia. We were asked to choose the subjects, and based on those subjects would then be what we could study in university. So at 15, you were being asked to sit down. It was like there was no warning. There was not like there was no build-up to it. It was not like, you know, oh, go and talk to your parents. It was just like, oh, afternoon at school, fill this out. For what? What are you going to study next year? Uh-huh. Oh, pick six. You've got to pick six. Come on, come on, come on. I want to get on with this class. Uh, as a teacher, I was just like, fucking hell. I don't know. 
It's just ridiculous. Of course, you know, two years later, we all graduate, you know. And it's just like, you're going to university. Yeah, what are you studying? Oh, this. Why? I don't know. Literally, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. What are you going to do use that? I don't know. What a waste of time. What a waste of time. And money. My best mate at school, my best mate, Brian, bless his socks, studied primary school teaching. He never worked a day as a primary school teacher. He's a brewer. He makes beer. What the hell? What a waste of three years. Three years. Oh, God. I'm just paying for it. Still have to pay for it. Waste of money, waste of time. Anyway, Aaron Clary's got this book called Worthless. And Aaron Clary was the first one I discovered in the rest of the world that was the same as me going, eh, college is a bunch of shit. But I've got one, one over Aaron because he actually went to college. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. You went to college. I didn't. I, I, I called it. I called it back in 1989, mate. 1989. I called it. Everyone else got off to college to do other things, off the university there. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing this. Not doing this. Yeah, my grades were shit, but I could still get into university. My grades were shit. I did no work in the last two years of school. Nothing. I was a C average, C minus. I've done no work and I could still get into university. I thought it was ridiculous. What did I do? What did I do? First job was McDonald's. Don't laugh. My first full-time job was McDonald's. I tell you what, I respect anyone who's worked at McDonald's because fucking hell, the food might be terrible, but God damn, do they teach 18-year-old fucktards what it means to have a job and to keep it? punctuality, working hard, getting on with others, getting off your ass. I mean, there was there was just no slackers back then in McDonald's. So I, every time I see McDonald's on a on a resume, it's like, okay, yep, all right. As a as a young person, see McDonald's on a resume, yep, okay, you're serious. Lasted a year there. Um, what else did I do? Worked as a, a builder's labourer. Uh, my best mate and my dad had a had a building business so i just was everyone thought i was a complete joke and i was i was a complete joke but i was i was i was living at a home i was renting a room i was paying my own way if i didn't have any money it was my own damn fault bit by bit you had to learn i was taught none of this none of this stuff growing up i had to start from scratch it was literally i got to 18 and i finished school i remember finishing school and it was like what now and everyone else went to university because they couldn't handle that question they couldn't handle that question what now it's true i'm just saying it now and it's just like it's so true they couldn't handle the what now question because it's like a it's like a it's like a railroad road it's a rail road track of comfort and bliss school someone's at the door why is someone at the door? You know what? It's probably. I tell you what. I tell you what. Uh, hang on. Let me write down railroad track of bliss because that's important. Railroad track of bliss. We'll come back to that. I'll just. I'll just. I'll just tangent here. And I know I'm talking about Aaron Clary, and and we'll get back to that as well. The Dutch have more come and knock on your door, and you know, charity sort of things. Uh, people knocking your doors than any other place or lives in the world. It is unbelievable. I've already had one today. Had this young young guy, probably like nineteen or something, rings on the door, open it, and he's and he's talking in Dutch, and then he puts his hand out really awkwardly to shake my hand. So he's been told to create a rapport. I used to see this in the streets in Melbourne. You'd be walking down the street, and there'd be someone for some horrible environmental group 
People walking, they'd, they'd stick their hand out to shake your hand. It was, it was their latest, their latest, and you saw it all happen at the same time. It was like, oh, I know how we can, we can form a bond. We can try and shake their hand. I just took great delight in peering down at their hand as if it was a diseased piece of meat. Mm-hmm. I did that to him at the door. I was just like, just looked at his hand and he, he kind of withdrew it, put it, had to think about it the whole way, put it down. And I said, oh, you're going to have to speak this in English, mate. My Dutch isn't good enough yet. And then he kept talking in Dutch. And I went, didn't you hear a word? Because he just had his spiel. He had his spiel and he needed to get through his spiel. Oh my God. And it was for Syria. Syria. I just, I didn't say it. I was just like, they could bomb Syria out of existence. And I just wouldn't give a fuck. I just, I just couldn't. If you pick one country in the world right now that I give less than a shit about, it'd have to be Syria. Oh, I just don't care. Deal with your own shit. Go deal with your own shit. My ancestors fought in the last two world wars, blah, 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 blah. So I think, where, where were you guys in Syria there during the, the First and the Second World War? Where were you? Well, you know, First World War, you were part of Turkey, so you were being attacked by the Australians. Ha, ha, ha. Second World War, well, where were you? What were you doing? You were probably a French protectorate. In, uh, then weren't you? But you weren't. You weren't going and knocking on people's doors saying, uh, "Oh, those poor Australians are fighting the Second World War." We're, you know, and they've got rationing at home. So you know, we're we're collecting for them. Where was Africa? Where was Africa during the Second World War? Were they collecting for us? Huh? Huh? Were they? No. Anyway, railroad track of bliss. You start at like five years old. I think it's like getting early now. Four years old, they're starting school. And as long as you do like a, just like a, a modicum of work, like the average, you'll get through, fine. And you don't have to think, yeah? If you want to know what a universal basic income is, that's school, yeah? School. You just do your, your, your work, Okay and and stay out of trouble yeah keep your nose clean and uh and the great thing is you don't have to think because you're on that railroad all the way through school and you go to junior school primary school and junior school middle school and high school yeah but high school starts to get a bit worried you can see it in the backs of people's minds you know there's that that time is approaching when they're actually going to graduate they're actually going to graduate and everyone's full of like Bon homie and you know cheer and oh yeah it's gonna be great it's gonna be great we're gonna finish school, but under it is the fear because they're not gonna be on the railroad track of bliss anymore are they? They're gonna actually have to you get to literally get to the end of the school and if if university didn't exist for you then the track doesn't just stop it it falls off a cliff and and you're you're suspended in space. And your choices are infinite around you, in like a prism all around you. So you can't, it's not just like you come to a road and it branches. It's just you're, you're a prism suspended in space and there are tendrils of light going off you, millions of them in every direction, thousands of them. And every one of those is a choice. And the one thing you haven't had to do in your whole life up to this point is a serious choice. And suddenly you're off the tracks. That's why people go to university. They don't go to university every time of their life. They go to university because, why? Because they're scared of the choice. They're scared of having to make a decision either way. Oh, I'll just pick something to study. 
And it, it was ludicrous back then, which is why I didn't do it. It's beyond ludicrous right now with the fact that, that the universities are, on the one hand, leftist indoctrination centres, and on the other hand, they're charging you six-figure sums for the pleasure of being indoctrinated and having your brain washed out with soap. I mean, it's completely crazy. How can anyone go to university now? Anyone. I know people. They say, oh, we're going to go to university. I say, what? What? Why? Why? It's ridiculous. You want to be, you want to be a surgeon? Go to university. Yeah. You don't know what to do? You don't know what to do? I didn't know what to do. So what did I do? I left home. That was a choice. Decision right there. Leave home. Did that. It's the first thing I did. Okay. Moved in with a mate. He's a few years older than me. Got a room there. The rent was, I think it was 50 bucks a week. Okay. All right. Have to come up with 50 bucks a week. Oh, I have to eat as well. Oh, I have to get around on transport. Oh, he lives in the middle of butt, butt fuck nowhere. I had a push bike. I had a, I had a bicycle. I lived in Inaloo. That's, that's a suburb in Perth, by the way. Inaloo. Loo is, uh, is uh, slang for a toilet. So... Um, so let's have a look here. Let's. Uh, you're just going to freeze on me, are you? Really? Let's try this again. Let's have a look. Oh, now we're working. And let's have a look. In a loo. I double N A double L O. Apps. We'll get directions from In a loo. To we'll go William Street, uh, Northbridge. There we go. Eleven point one kilometers. Eleven point one kilometers. Okay. I used to cycle that distance to go into work at McDonald's, and then I'd cycle back to Inaloo. I could have picked a place that was closer, but he was my mate. What else did I do? God, I was a cleaner. I cleaned the same office block from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. Um, five mornings a week. Nine-story office block with my mate, Andrew. We held that job down for three years. And uh, the guy that employed us didn't think we'd last a week. Three years we did that. Uh, I did that while I was working at McDonald's. I did that while I was working a bunch of other stuff. Um, so many jobs, shop assistant, actor, musician, um, bartender, waiter, you know, it. just, just trying to, and learning skills, learning skills, learning, learning how to keep down a job, learning how to pe piss people off, learning how to get laid, or you can go to university, or you can go to university and stay on the, the railroad track of bliss, but then... Then, university degrees ends. What do you do then? Oh, no. Oh, I'll do another degree because I didn't find myself with this degree. Oh. And now you're in your 30s. You never worked a day in your life. You've got a huge amount of debt. You've never earned a cent in your life. How are you going to pay for this? Socialism. Get the government to take care of everything. These are the people advocating for socialism. People who never took a risk in their life. People who never made a decent cho choice in their life. People who have never had an original thought in their stupid fucking brain for their entire lives. 
These are the people advocating for a universal basic income. Morons, but worse than morons. Never taken a risk. And they put down capitalism all the time. Capitalism is all about taking risks. Small business owners. That's all it is. Everyone should be made to have a, run a small business. If I see someone who's, if I get a resume in, if I, was ever, if I ever set up a business again and I get people in and I can see on a resume that someone in their life has owned a small business, then I'm very, very, very favorably inclined towards hiring that individual. And it's not just because they've got to get up and go. It's because they know. They know how much is on the, on the line when it's your business. And if they've done it, they know how, much, how, much, how important it is to have staff who aren't just going to clock in and clock out and do the bare minimum so you can pay them when you're not even paying yourself. Very important. Anyway, Aaron Cleary sent me an email. Um, and he said that it might make a decent segment and help some young guys out at the same time. Now, I don't know if I'm going to do it as a segment on my podcast. He says I should do it as a segment on my podcast. I don't know it's going to work. It's not really a... It's not really a... It's either a written thing or a video thing, I think, anyway. Uh, anyway, Aaron wants to, cut a long story short, I'm not going to read out his email, but he wants, to, um, he wants to learn how to cook, but, but, 20 minutes. So instead of going out and getting something to eat, yeah, which he says, it's always prepared, prepared well, tastes better than what I can make at home, there's no dishes, fine. I don't understand people having a problem with the washing up. I really don't understand it. All right. I mean, I have a dishwasher here, and, I, and most of the time I do the washing up. We eat, and then we'll do the washing up. It's one of the things that I just tend to do in the house. The good wife washes the clothes. Thank God she takes care of the bathroom, because I'm not a bathroom. But the kitchen, the washing up, I just gravitate towards it. I'll do it. I always do it. So many share houses. Just, just wash the dishes. You've finished, blah, blah, blah. It takes, if you do it right there and then, you get two things. One, it's so much easier because the grime hasn't sucked to the plate. So it's all off. It takes five minutes, if that. Two, you come downstairs the next morning. Kitchen's all clean and beautiful. Ah, oh, great feeling. Great feeling. Just like you start your day off right. You're going to get your coffee. Ah, don't have to wash the coffee. I don't have to wash this dried up slag out of the coffee cup. It's already done. Anyway. He wanted uh, recipes that, one, a rookie bachelor cooking noob cannot screw up. Well, <laughs> everything can be screwed up. Come on, Aaron. You know that. Two, that tastes decent. All right. No carbs, low carbs. I'm glad to see he's not in the carbs thing. Protein and fat. People, your best new friend should be lard and butter. Why? Tastes great. Two, not carbs. Three, fill you up. Four, tastes great. Five, you pull the chicks. Six, tastes great. Getting the idea. You get into a butcher with that. Pick a butcher with a hot chicky babe walking, walking and say, uh, you got any lard? She'll look at you with a with 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 curiosity. Oh yeah, we got lard. What are you gonna make it? Ah! Oh, ah! I'm having lard, lard, baked beans and lard. Oh really? Do you wanna come, baby? You know what I mean? Wink wink. Nudge nudge. Or is that, that's, can't do that these days, of course, you know. Flirting is now a, uh, a sexual offence, apparently. Yeah. The, the socialists are trying to destroy um, interpersonal relationships as well. 
Because they want the government to mandate everything. They want to tell you who you can marry, who you can have sex with. Yeah, you have to marry him. But I'm a bloke. Are you a homophobe? You think it wouldn't happen. Uh, so he's four points. A rookie bachelor cooking dude cannot screw it up. Tastes decent. No cards, low cards. Can be done, including clean dishes in under 20 minutes. I'm not even sure about including the clean dishes in under 20 minutes. I don't think that exists. I don't think it exists. Now, I replied to uh, Aaron and said that the book he wants to check out is Jamie Oliver's 15-minute meals. And he also has a bunch of recipes on his sites. Just put in Jamie Oliver's in your Google search engine or your, your whatever, 15-minute meals, whatever. There you go. There's a whole book of them. He's done it. He's done it. Uh, I don't think it'll work as a quick 15-minute segment uh, on the podcast because I can't I can't talk you through a recipe. You'd have to, I'd have to write it down or I'd have to do a, a video. And I, I just I just don't want to do a video because I'm so handsome I'll break the internet. This that coupled with the Australian accent, I mean, girls just go wild. What can I say? What can I say? I don't want to break the internet. Though I will, I'll write that down. I am gonna post up a picture of my Christmas tree. Christmas tree photo. La di da di da. It's a nice photo too. We took it the other day and the snow's falling down in the background. It's really nice. It's an artistic shot. Good wife did it. Anyway. Uh, it's just not going to work on a podcast. Um, but I might, I mean, I've been, the weekend's a bit of a dead time on the blog because I just get to the end of the week and, you know, it's been a week with everything else that's going on. I just haven't got, I just, because uh, normally to write a post, I have to get, you know, I have to get, well, it takes a lot of work. I mean, this this one that I've been writing about, that I've been talking about today, the one that I did yesterday, uh, what do we call it here? Communism attempts to reinvent itself as universal, universal basic income. Uh, it's it's brief, yeah? I mean, without the quotes, it's only probably 500 words. There was days of work that went into that to get it down, so it was brief. So it was distilled, so the essence was there. I just get to the end of the week and I just haven't got the time, inclination or patience for that anymore. I need to recharge it a bit. So, um, but I, I still like to, you know, I still like to have, I like it when people rock up and check the blog, you know, it keeps it ticking over. So maybe I will do a bachelor's um, um, cooking segment, cooking for bachelors, you know, cooking for players. Cooking for players. You need to learn how to cook, boys and girls. Boys, you need to learn how to cook. You know that's one of the things I did when I when I moved out of home when I when I steered away from the railroad tracks of uh, of uh, bliss and comfort and went into the uh, horrible depths of oh my god I don't know what's going to happen next in my life. Uh, one of the things I had to do was learn to cook. I was like oh I need to eat. Uh, Mum's not here to make me food. My mum was a terrible cook anyway. Um, so I'd already I'd already been attempting to cook and practicing cooking and trying out recipes at home before I left um, and so cooking was a natural thing by the way there's a um, piece that I read where is it here we go I might link this in the show notes I'm definitely going to link it on my Friday hot chicks eating out is probably devouring much more of your budget than you realize a new study reveals oh no <laughs> it's a study should have known better. <laughs> it's a study. A new study shows why, why? 
you know what? I just think that I just think that these people who do these useless studies have like a symbiotic relationship. They're like with sharks and remora fish with journalists, because this is this is where journalists apparently get their get their stuff from. A new study shows they just go through the things. Anyway, this is written by someone called Amit Sharma. Amit Sharma, probably from Czechoslovakia. Is that racist? Uh, Anyway, let's go back to this. Where is it? Uh, A new study reveals a big gap in what people think they spend on eating out and what they actually spend. Uh, A recent study found that adults tend to estimate how much they spend on eating out by more than twice what they're actually spending, which is a significant chunk of cash. Uh, Mental accounting doesn't add up. Blah, 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 blah. Problem most people aren't aware of. I'm just reading you the, the you know, the, the bits at the start of the paragraphs. Regaining control, what to do. Amit Sharma, Professor, Hospitality, Finance, Director, Food Decisions Research Laboratory, Pennsylvania State University. Oh, my God. Um, I've taken the piss about the Avocado Breakfast Brigade and the Millennials in Australia about how the money that they spend on that, if they saved over 10 years, they'd have an average of $25,000. So they'd be saving around $2,500 a year. Now in Australia, another big thing is take-out take out coffees. So a takeaway coffee in a, big, in a big cup, you're probably looking at $5. And let's say they do two a day because it's like, it's like takeaway coffee in Australia is like the new smoking. So before you used to smoke so you could get out of the office and stand outside and have a cigarette and chat with people. Yeah, I'm having a fag. Just going to have a fag. Yeah. It was like, oh, we got lunchtime. People who smoked always had extra breaks. Oh, I just got have a quick smoke. Yeah? It's like, you can't. Now it's the coffee, it's the takeaway coffee brigade. I'm just going to go out and get a coffee. Yeah, but we've got the coffee machine here in the office. Ah, oh, that's terrible. No, I'm just going to go out. I'll just, just downstairs. You know, I'll be, uh, be 10 minutes. There you go. They're out. They're away from the office. You know, they're talking to people. Boom, boom, boom. They get their $5 in the huge latte cup thing. Back they come. It's the new smoking. That's what it is. It's the new smoking. Couple of those, 10 bucks, 50 bucks a week. Shit, there's another two and a half grand a year. So another 25 grand every 10 years. It's adding up, isn't it? Not to 50K now. That's just with some coffees and avocado breakfasts. Okay, all right. Let's do your eat out once a week. In a, I'm just going to go on a base on Australian because I know Australian ones are well. You, you, do the, you do the workouts, you know, in the country that you're based in. Now, if you're a if you're a millennial going out in a trip off, you know, groovy suburb, all the rest of it there in St Kilda or Fitzroy or something like that in Melbourne, or you know, in Surrey Hills in Sydney or Leederville or Mount Lawley in Perth, wherever you are, wherever you are, the Valley in Brisbane, you can see I've been around, can you? Uh, I don't know Adelaide because no one goes. Who the fuck goes to Adelaide? Jesus God. Um, You're probably going to have to spend fifty to seventy-five dollars a head for dinner. That's per person. Bottle of wine, couple of courses. Uh, not exaggerating. Fifty to fifty to seventy-five bucks a head. One hundred fifty dollars for two in Australia for dinner in these sort of places. Not shitting you. Uh once a week. I I I think the majority of people that I knew. In Australia, would do that once a week, the majority. Um, 
whether they could afford it or not. A lot of people doing it two or even three times a week. What's the cost of that? Well, let's just say you do it once a week. Um, and uh, you're a couple. So that's 150 bucks a week. Fair bit of cash, isn't it? Seven and a half grand a year. Wow, add that on to your uh, two and a half grand a year for your coffees. It's 10 grand. So in 10 years, that's 100K. Um, we'll throw our avocado breakfast on top. It's another 25 grand. It's 125 grand. Now, is, is that real money yet? People, is that real money yet? Tell me when it gets to real money because 25K apparently wasn't real money. Oh, that's nothing. That's nothing. That's nothing. I'll give you 25K now. Is that nothing? You, you don't want it? No, it's nothing. Oh, really? We've got 100, 125k now. It's just a fucking eating out. So look, people, people, people. You could probably. I'm glad that Kathy sent me this email. Why? Why learn to cook? I tell, I told you at the start of this podcast that we're looking for a house, and we found a house. We think it's the one. It's got this stove in it to cook on. Uh, the stove. In American dollars starts at around sixteen thousand dollars for this stove. Yeah, yeah, sixteen k. It is sex in a stove. Oh my god, I love it. I'm just like, I want to buy the house for the stove. In fact, the stove is an option with the house. They kind of want to take it with them to be a cooker. It's a stove that's always on. It's always on. It's amazing. Amazing. Cooking, guys, cooking. Look, what, what reasons did Cappy give to cook? Something rookie new. All right, doesn't want to screw it up. Okay. Taste decent. Taste decent. Well, you can, you're in control of your food then. Low carbs, you're in control of your food. And I, I mean, cooking is. All right, I'll tell you what, I am going to do it. Sunday, from now on, on the blog, Sunday. Sunday is Bachelor Cooking Day. Uh, we'll start off with just basic recipes. Basic recipes. Stuff that I cook. Stuff that I love. Like right now, as we speak, as I speak, because you're not speaking, as I speak right now downstairs, I have chicken stock on. On the weekend, I made a roast chicken on Sunday. You know how easy a roast chicken is to make? You don't do it in 20 minutes, but you know how easy it is? Roast chicken is so easy. It's easy. Anyway, and the, and the place we're living at the moment is the worst oven. Oh, and still I managed to do a brilliant chicken. So... But today, it's Wednesday, I was on Sunday, the chicken's carcass has been sitting in the fridge. Wow. In a pot, an onion cut in half, a carrot cut in half, some celery tops, and top half of a leek. Water, simmer. I've got chicken stock tonight. I can use that for the next five days. It'll sit in the fridge. I'll use it for soups. I'll use it for stews. It's just sitting there, ready to go, ready to go. I made a lamb stock on the weekend. Very easy. I went to get some lamb. The guy in the butcher punt, the butcher cut it off the bone. I said, can you throw in the bone? He went, sure. You got a dog? I went, nah. Lamb stock. Oh, yeah. Here's a few Here's a few trimmings to go with it. Thanks, mate. Now I've got lamb stock. It's in the freezer. Ready to go. What's the real reason? You, you wouldn't be able to do this on a universal basic income. Probably You'd probably have to, actually. Maybe that's the one thing going for a universal basic income. You'd have to learn how to cook. Because you'd probably have to starve to death if you didn't. But you'd be cooking stuff like rats. Like people who escaped from North Korea, the first thing they say, we had to eat so many rats. You know? North Korea would be the worst place in the world to be born as a rat. 
oh, you, you would you would have you would have lost Rat Lotter. You would have got either the oh, you got born in North Korea. Ah, oh, ah, oh, oh. where'd you get born? New York. Oh, you won lottery. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we'll do that. We'll do that. Anyway, that's the Universal Basic Income episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to my podcast. I'm up to 120 subscribers now. Is there 120? Let me check. 121! Oh! Um, so to my blog, which is over 200. This is all ticking. It's ticking. It's ticking along. Things take time, people. Things take time. They take time. They build things up. Um, you can get my books, Pushing Rubber Downhill, A Journey to Manhood via Whitewood Adventures. You, and this is this is talking about how I got to the end of the railroad tracks and didn't go to university and struck out on my own. If you're like, how can it be done? Read that first book. It's on paperback. If you order paperback, probably best book depository or just your local bookstore. Just go in and show them the title. Tell them the title. Tell them my name. There you go. They'll order it. Five days, it's there. Uh, it's on Kindle if you use one of those horrible electronic devices. Uh, and it's an audio book read by David Serrini. So um, you can check that out. And then Run Guts, Pull Cones, a rafting adventure in the Italian Alps. The whole season rafting in Italian Alps and all of the classic cultures that I experienced doing that. Great book as well. They're my two books. Third book hopefully coming out in February on the traits of the modern man. Um, that's all I got for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't you go changing. And um, tell everyone who go around universal bank basic income let everyone know it's not the thing to do okay sit down money and the last thing you want to do in this world is sit down you want to be out in front okay ciao